For most of humanity, there's been a system of government where a small minority rules over the people. From emperors to monarchs to oligarchs, the will of the people, the desire for self-determination has been repressed. A group of visionaries envisioned a nation ruled by its citizens, one where leaders were chosen by its people to be held accountable. Hence, the United States of America was born. That dream of democracy has been defiled. We find today, our nation is run by a minority not held accountable to its people. Instead, special interests and money are the driving forces of our government. At Candidates Platform, we look to restore that vision. Our goal is twofold, to educate voters on the issues of the candidates running for local and state office, and to give the citizen the opportunity to run for office by having a simple, intuitive, cost-effective place to manage their campaign. Let's work together to restore democracy to the people. Well, hello, hello, everybody. This is Kathleen Gomez. Diego Vlasic is not with us today, basically, because he's uh, on kind of a vacation. But we do have somebody we'd like to introduce you to. We're going to bring Mateo Vlasic on, and he is the new member, new partner to Canada's platform. Uh, first of all, I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving week. Uh, we all have a lot to be grateful in this country of ours, and so when we feel stressed, we just have to think, breathe a little bit, think of everything that we have going for us. So with that said, Mateo Vlasic, are you on? Hi, how's it going, Kathleen? Very, very good, Mateo. Now, Mateo is interesting because he represents, what is it, the Gen Z? Is that what they call it? Correct. Correct, Gen Z um, generation, which is, I believe, if I'm correct, it's the 20s, the, the, I guess you would say from 18 to 29. Would that be correct? Yeah, I would say um, I think it started Gen Z, our generation kind of started around the mid 90s. Um, and currently, I think it went up until about the mid 2000s as well. Um, started in 97. So, yeah, it's, it's quite a wide range of um, different people. And I think uh, our generation is very unique uh, because of all of the technological advancements that have essentially happened um, as we were growing up. Well, that's for sure, because I know. Between the baby boomers and your generation, I, I'm having a hard time even figuring out how to get your contact information through. Is it Gmail or is it the phone number? It's all something different. So you definitely bring uh, a really different aspect to Canada's platform. While we do have Diego and he's the millennials, which is also the beginning of all the high tech. Even in our conversation I had with him, he agreed that he is nowhere near understanding all the high tech stuff and how quick you're going how quick you're able to switch from one thing to the next. Um, he, he cannot do that as easily as he said from the Gen Z generation. They're just, you guys were just kind of, I guess, born with all the high tech place and ready to go. So you learned it the minute you could, could think and walk and talk, I believe. Correct. I think um, an interesting part to kind of add to that is one of the characteristics I think of our generation or my generation specifically is, you know, and even for myself, you know, say I was, you know, six, seven years old when I could really first start remembering technology, right? Um, I was set up with, I think it was a basic Nokia phone, the, the ones that typically, you know, not a flip phone, just kind of a brick, um, was able to call people. And within six years, um, I went from having that phone to essentially a smartphone that was able to do every single thing a computer could do in my hand. And I think with that comes, and I mean, it's not only in, in terms of phones, but it's every kind of aspect of technology um, that's been developed from TVs uh, to computers to software itself and to just the different changing um, social media environments that people are are on. Uh, it changes so quick that I think my generation is very used to and is uh, pretty adaptable when it comes to learning new technology and essentially what also gets transferred from old pieces of technology onto new technology. Um, so for, for a lot of these things um, that I think older generations have difficulties with, uh, my generation is able to pretty easily, uh, is, is able to pretty easily 
they essentially um, learn new uh, technology so fast. Well, I agree. I agree with you because I know that uh, I have a difficulty with it, you know, from learning just within Facebook, how it constantly is, you know, um, changing almost it seems like every month. I get used to it being a certain way, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's changed. And I think that that is, that is kind of really key because people in the baby boom range, we're not used to change being so done so quickly. You know, maybe in a year, two years, three years, we see change. But really now it's a matter of maybe sometimes days or weeks. And that's very difficult for baby boomers because we're just not used to having to think, oh, you know, this, this could be different now. We think, okay, now we've learned it, it's going to stay this way. We don't have to make a change. And actually, that's farthest from the truth because every day, every year, every month, things just seem to be getting faster and faster. And so that now when you introduce the talking about artificial intelligence, the algorithms, you know, this is something we would write songs about, you know, in the 70s, you know, about how awful that was going to be. But it seems to be that that's already here. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So let me ask you a question. Because of the way I get news, I get news through either – well, I always relied on cable or TV, mainstream news, which now is very difficult to find something that, you know, you have to listen to three or four stations to actually get kind of the facts or, or you have to figure it out yourself. We used to read newspapers. I still kind of do. But as far as, as getting your information about candidates or political issues – how does your generation do that? Is it through word of mouth? Is it through certain websites? Or how do you find those sites that you feel comfortable in getting your information? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the difficulty with um, another difficulty kind of that my generation faces is I think in your generation, um, the availability of options to uh, get your information was limited, right? You had newspapers, um, radio, and a select radio show, a select amount of radio shows and a select amount of newspapers. And then obviously, you know, a limited amount of news networks on TV. But nowadays, um, you know, especially I can speak for myself, um, you know, there's so much uh, outlets for information that are available that are made possible by the Internet. Um, and I think that that makes it difficult because different people um, with different personalities and different beliefs uh, choose to get their their information and their news from different sources. I think um, a lot of Gen Z that you know necessarily doesn't really pay attention to news, doesn't really that isn't that interested in it, and perhaps maybe they don't really have an inquisitive mindset, um, which some personalities don't. Uh, I think those people typically would trust you know what they see on Fox, what they see on CNN, um, and kind of go through that more traditional. Um, path of getting information. However, I think one of the things that have been really highlighted, and I think a big part of bringing this to light was social media, um, specifically Twitter um, and Facebook, is that you can now get information directly from, you know, where it's happening, right? And you can also follow events as they're happening. So I think for, for in my perspective, and kind of just the way that I've operated, um, I've always been involved, you know, I've always had a Twitter account since I think I was like 12 years old or 13 years old. And, um, you know, following different people in different circles um, and seeing them post about certain things that mattered. And I actually think a majority of the major events that have happened in the last five to 10 years, um, I actually knew about them or heard about them first through people talking on Twitter, which then kind of, you know, Twitter has this really good function, which is the trending function. So if there is a specific topic that a lot of people are talking about, um, you can kind of just see every single post um, that's about that, that topic. And that's coming from all different types of people. And the majority of the information that we're getting through that um, is coming from just regular everyday people, not necessarily established journalists or news sites with, a gen- with a, an agenda. But I think the problem that leads is there's a little bit of what most people call sensory overload. You have too much information coming at you um, and you don't know what's true, what's fake. Uh, and you also don't really know how to filter out and look at for exactly what you want to look at. And just kind of relating that back to politics, I think that's one of the biggest issues 
is that it's very hard to find uh, political information that you want to find. So I really could go out there and I can see all this different, you know, information on candidates, information on policies or uh, political policies that are going on or agendas. But to find out really information directly from the source or information that I believe is uh, true, um, that's where it gets more difficult. And there's no real centralized platform to find that information. So you, if I was to ask you of all the social media platforms, what do you think is the most politically orientated? Would you say that would be Twitter? Yeah, I would say Twitter and Facebook equally. Um, I, again, it really depends on, you know, the, the sphere of influence that you're on. You know, for example, if I'm on Twitter and most of the people that I'm following um, are, you know, say soccer uh, journalists or soccer players or people that are involved with a specific, uh, I guess, category or industry, you know, then the only information I'm really going to get on Twitter is going to be soccer information. Um, but my personal account, I have a lot of uh, different, I follow a lot of different people from a lot of different categories of the internet and areas of the internet, soccer, uh, politics, uh, science, etc. So I think for me, um, and for most people, you know, politics just kind of seeps into their daily lives. And if you have a pretty well-versed or diversified uh, set of um, people that you follow on either Twitter or uh, accounts that you follow or people that you're friends with on Facebook, um, I'd say that, you know, they're both very political. Right. And I would say that sometimes um, I hear more and more from people that I talk to that are, you say, the millennials or Gen Z, that Facebook, they really see that as kind of like the baby boomers. I mean, I guess they're on it because everyone's on it, like their family members are on it, but they don't really go there for day to day where like somebody like me will check Facebook. You know, basically I do it maybe say for birthdays and to keep in touch with family, but then it also becomes very political because a lot of my friends who are basically the same age I am, are, are, to, are using it as a political base. So do you think that's a true statement? I definitely would say so. I would definitely say that that's a true statement. Um, I think what happened was, you know, mo my generation, Generation Z, everyone was on Facebook. Facebook was really, I think MySpace was before, and that was a little bit before my time. I don't think most right. Gen, Gen Z people even were on MySpace or if they were very minimally. Um, but Facebook was really the first and the start of social media. I know everyone kind of flocked on to that. And uh, when I was in middle school and even the beginning parts of high school, you know, it was the most used uh, social media for people my age and younger. I think the issue that happened was, you know, all these kids are starting to go into high school and, you know, you want to post, you know, what you're doing with your friends. You want to post things that you think are cool. Um, and at that time, a lot of, you know, my parents, my family, um, they got onto Facebook themselves. And so they obviously wanted to be friends with me and therefore see all my posts. So it kind of became like <laughs> Facebook was it was visible to people that weren't just your friends. It was visible to maybe family members, people that, right. you know, you didn't want them knowing everything that you're doing, especially in high school. You wanted that sense of privacy. And that's where um, social media like Instagram or Twitter uh, kind of came into play. And I think a lot of people migrated over there and that became their primary um social media uh, platforms of choice. I, I agree with you because I know that have, I do have a Twitter account, but I find it more complicated, you know, where Facebook yeah. definitely is easier. So those baby boomers who learned how to use Facebook just stayed there while you guys went on to Twitter or Snapchat, I guess, too, right? And Instagram, which now is hooked up with, with uh, is really owned by Facebook, kind of one of the same. But Twitter is a little bit more or conceptually when you visually look at it, it seems may not be to you, but for people in my generation, it does seem a little bit more difficult to maneuver around. So it is interesting that I, I do agree with you. I think Twitter now, depending, and I guess you can, you have to, when you're trying to figure out what's out there, I think you're going to have to look at both sides of the, the political aisle and follow people who maybe say if you're a, a staunch Democrat, then you should look at the Republicans you know or maybe that you identify with or you see them or they're involved in the issues that you care about. Follow them so that you can get somewhat of a, a 
a balanced, I guess, feedback from both sides of, to whatever issues that, you know, could be trending at the time. There's a lot of people will tend to just follow, you know, what their own agenda and belief system is. And so nowadays, I think that's, even though some people say, you know, Walter Cronkite didn't give out necessarily all the facts, it seemed that way. It seemed comfortable because we only had very few sources. So if they were saying something that was totally wrong, it was a message that was being sent by radio, by, you know, TV, by everybody. So you didn't have all these bombarding facts coming or or statements from all these other sides. So it's just kind of interesting that I, I do think nowadays people just do not have that luxury to just depend on one person or one site being able to give you both sides. You, if you go on to the, like Twitter, you really have to follow people from both sides of the issue to be able to decide for yourself, which is what we're always pushing on this show, that you have to make the effort in a democracy to participate. And that participation means you have to take the time to, to, to listen to the information and then figure it out for yourself. Don't just follow um, somebody who says, hey, you know, this is the way it is. Because everyone, I think, nowadays is very hard. I, I don't know anybody who really gives information with both sides of the table being dis discussed. Would you think that would be maybe a right statement? Right. And I think that that kind of, um, you know, one of the things that people have been kind of talking about nowadays, and I think I know it's kind of a, a discussed about topic, um, that is essentially exactly what you're saying. And they call them, you know, echo chambers. Uh, and it's really easy to get into these echo chambers, especially political echo chambers online. Um, and that kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the sphere of influence. Right. And I think when you go on Twitter and you find that you start following, okay, maybe you, you see an account, maybe you're right wing um, and you see an account and, you know, they, they have, they tend to have, uh, you know, beliefs that are kind of similar and parallel to what you believe you follow them. Uh, and now you're seeing on your timeline uh, more people, more people that are posting that are kind of similar to what you believe. And so what you end up doing is you end up following more and more people and spreading your sphere of influence only within the section of the internet that is conservative or right wing. Um, and that leads to now every day you go online and you're constantly seeing people agree with you. You're constantly seeing your beliefs uh, kind of confirmed, right? You're getting like a confirmation bias. You go in there with a preconceived uh, notion of your beliefs, you know, I'm right and I'm right because of this. Then you go online and you see people saying the same thing. And it kind of makes you really dig in to your belief system. And I think that that's a huge problem because as we saw, you know, as we see today, America is so politically divided because I guarantee you, if you go on to these people's, you know, social media accounts, right? If you have the left, you go on just Facebook post, a political post, and you see two people arguing, right? One of them typically has, uh, is just spouting all the talking points of the left and one's just spouting all the talking points of the right. Now, if you go on to both of those people's uh, social media accounts, I guarantee that the left wing person is going to have pretty much only the only people they're following or interact with is going to be other left wing uh, people. And the same thing goes for the right wing person. Um, so I think it's really easy to get lost online in just looking at, you know, uh, material and content that reaffirms what you believe rather than going online and challenging yourself and really saying, OK, if I believe what I believe, I should be right let me hear some counterpoints. Let me see what the other side of the argument is. And, you know, the real true, uh, you know, what's really better should come to light in that regard. But a lot of times it doesn't because people don't want to do that. Right. Because that takes some effort. But I, I think you're right. That's a total. That is that is where the problem lies and that we're not willing to discuss or to listen to the other side. And it does one or two things. It either confirms your belief system or it challenges you to say, well, wait a minute, I maybe didn't think of that aspect of it. Or, you know, yeah, you know, I don't live, like, say, whether it be, say, border security. I don't really live anywhere close to the border, but this person does. And they're saying some interesting things I never even thought about because I don't live there. So maybe I should take a moment, listen to what they say. And, and even then, it's not necessarily going to you'll be able to understand it because nobody really understands things unless they go through them. But at least it would maybe create a window or an opportunity for you to maybe, well, let me just listen. Let me just think maybe there's 
is another side to it that I haven't been able to think about. And I think that that's really important. That's one of the things that why we created this Canada's platform is because we saw that it's very difficult for people to get other viewpoints because they're just not open to it. Or, you know, like, like I learned two new words that I didn't even know about talking to you tonight. And that was brick an echo chamber and brick meant what that was one of the first basic phones is that what you guys yeah thought? you know just one of those nokia phones that was indestructible <laughs> <laughs> so you could drop it and make it and have to spend so much money on fixing the screen right yeah i'm sure anyone listening that's a generation z person has definitely seen a meme or two um on those nokia phones <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. and an echo chamber meaning that's kind of like you you're inside your own bubble right yeah and you know that was really interesting um I had a teacher in university um, when I was studying abroad in South Korea and at the university, it was a data, it was a uh, business intelligence and data analytics class and essentially just how to, you know, use data to shape strategy for business decisions um, was essentially the content of the class. And at the time, the professor was doing a research paper um, and that was what she was doing it on, how people go into, you know, um, social media, how it's kind of furthered these political echo chambers um, to people where they have one, uh, you know, belief system that they go into, say that I'm, I'm conservative, I go onto Twitter. Um, they found that it was a huge uh, correlation between those people actually getting into this conservative political echo chamber where all the information that they see would be conservative information. Wow, wow, that's 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 just amazing. And see, that that's where it's it's difficult for someone my age. Is you know, you you have this knowledge and the ability, the way you speak about it so quickly, so fast, you know, with data analytical, da, 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 it's amazing how much, um, you know, I would say you're so technically based in your language and in the way you think versus me who, you know, just was raised on a much different system where we had no, I mean, like I, I think I've mentioned, you know, before if I, was when I was in college, I had to make sure we all found a place to cash a check, and whatever we cashed that check for was all the money we had to spend for the weekend. So, you know, going from that to listening to how you speak is amazing. It's, I guess, when someone's, you know, saw the first train and then saw somebody land on the moon, it's just so amazing how much technology has created the different verbiage and a different way of thinking. What, maybe, how old are you? 22? Uh, 22. 22. So in 22 years, the ability of, of, of what you said, <laughs> a brick phone, to now you're talking about, you know, really making decisions based on these echo chambers, it's pretty amazing to someone like me to listen to you because your knowledge, you know, I really feel like I've just started, like I'm crawling in this. I thought I was pretty good. But listening to you, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm crawling instead of even walking. You know, if you want to relate it to knowledge of the social media, and and I don't know what would you call it. Is it social media or is it just this build of, of internet information? Yeah, that's that's really it's difficult because it's so broad, and I think that right. probably is an issue that um, a lot of people who really are you know don't understand what's going on with technology and kind of the current trends today. It's hard because, you know, the Internet in its own in its own is kind of its own universe. Um, and I know, you know, one of the really kind of up, up and coming trends that's going on is now, uh, you know, and Facebook just got into it and is creating um, the metaverse. And I really do believe you can look at the Internet um, through that lens and it makes sense. And, you know, it, it's kind of encompassing. I think social media is a huge part of the Internet, but it is only a, a slice of it. Right. And, uh, you know, then again, there's the stuff behind it. You know, how can you really maximize, um, you know, these tools that are, are available to you, like all these analytical tools and, as you, and really just just the ability to compile information at such a large scale and then to retrieve the information and analyze it in whatever way you want to. Uh, it's really something that human, you know, humans have never, ever in their entire history, in the entire history of our, you know, our species have been able to do um and i think that's one of the scariest you know scarier parts of ai is now you also have these computers that can make decisions and analyze and compile all this data on a scale that just really dwarfs um our ability uh so i i think you know one of the 
important things is when it comes to looking at, you know, what you can do with technology nowadays, um, that's all in the kind of artificial intelligence, data analytics, data science uh, type of field. And then, you know, how that really interacts with humans in kind of its own culture as like an Internet culture um, that I really believe is its own separate uh, entity of the Internet. And really knowing how to be able or being able to understand how both kind of work in congruence with each other, um, that is kind of the challenge um, for a lot of people that I think Generation Z has a bit of a foot up because, you know, like I said, I've, I mean, really, like I've grown up using computers in my life every day for a, probably a majority of my day. I mean, when I was in high school, all of our books and everything was on an iPad, right? Right. Um, so, you know, on, and then online, I, I, we actually did, com, you know, school completely virtual for a year um, when the pandemic hit. So, you know, technology to us, it's almost like a language. And, um, you know, we practice it and we speak it every day and we've known it since we were able to crawl and from our first memories. So naturally, our ability with it is just um, it's really difficult to keep up. Um, for, for, you know, it's possible, but you really, it's like learning a language, you know, it's very yeah. difficult to be able to speak fluently like someone who's spoken it their entire lives. And, and for the listening baby boomers who may not know yet, can you explain before we go to break what meta universe is or metaverse? Is that how you said? Right. Right. And, um, yeah, so the metaverse is essentially, it, it's like looking at a, I, I, and I'm not really, uh, too uh, well versed in it myself, but kind of from my understanding of it, is essentially looking at the internet as a as its own universe. And if anybody's seen the movies The Matrix, um, essentially what the matrix matrix is is the metaverse. And as technology is advancing, um, we're essentially getting into it uh, increasingly quick, you know, at an increasing pace. Um, where now we're able, you know, maybe ten years ago. The metaverse was considered and Facebook is the metaverse. You know, you're on the metaverse, but you're also in reality as well. And I think slowly um, and what Facebook is actually trying to do as they change the name to meta um, and they bought Oculus, which is a virtual reality, um, essentially company. They're making it so that you can actually almost live or reside in the metaverse, which is online in this virtual reality and connect with people. And the power that the metaverse presents is that really it's not. Uh, constrained to physics like the real world is, right? So mm -hmm. if we want, if I can build a simulation that is, you know, looks realistic enough, I could go and fly around the entire world in the metaverse if I wanted to. And I could do it with a couple friends. Um, but you'd be think, in your apartment, though. Yeah, you would be, you'd have a headset on and you'd have, you know, you'd be controlling through your body, but your eyes and, you know, your mind would look at something different. Um, and I think there's great applications and there's also bad applications of it. And I think we're also, you know, just to kind of, you know, we're at a very pivotal point um, where technology is growing at such a fast pace that it's actually moving faster than regulatory uh, bodies can keep up with. Right? right. So, you know, one of the things that's really, um, uh, you know, a negative aspect of kind of social media and all the Internet stuff that's gone on is Instagram and all these social media companies, you know, they actually have designed. Uh, their kind of features to act as a reward system. And what that does for young developing kids is to get them hooked on things like getting Instagram likes or having a certain amount of followers. So um, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of nuance to this area and to this subject that um, is still, quite frankly, you know, very new. And we need to really scrutinize what we're doing as a society to make sure that we're not doing anything too negative that's going to affect, you know, our children and the future generations that grow up. I guess I would say to you that do, do humans, before we break, we're going to break in about a minute, but would you say that the, the power still lies within the humans? Because if we see that this is going the wrong way, we could always plug, uh, pull the plug, which would mean disconnecting from the, the machines, correct? Right, right. Yeah, I think that always will be in our hands. Um, the problem is, is what if we build something where most people would choose actively? And, and in the Matrix, I mean, if you haven't seen the Matrix, go see it. I think it's very applicable to today. But you essentially, I think it's the red pill and the blue pill. And uh, the red pill is you wake up. So, um, and most people don't choose that. They like to choose the blue pill and live in the fantasy world. Um, so that's that's the difficulty, right? Right. Um, 
Very much but I'm so. hopeful. I think that I think that you know it's our duty to just uh, discuss this and make sure that we make the right decision. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss um, where Canada's platform is at this point in time. It's real kind of exciting news because uh, we'll talk to you about the website that should be up and running, fingers crossed, by February. Well, you know, I found that very interesting to tell you talking about all this internet stuff because. I think a lot of us are Americans, you know, again, we're very lazy. We just see it. Oh, well, this is, you know, great to keep in touch with the family, but we don't really look at all the consequences that come about with all this change. And I've talked to, you know, some of these, these brilliant data scientists and all that who say, Oh, well, you know, it was like the industrial revolution. Would you want to fight against that? Well, yeah, it was good stuff. There was also bad stuff with it. Um, and we're even less aware and less involved than before I kind of think or maybe we're the same who knows but I think what we were going to what we should talk about now is as you joined um, candidates platform um, I'd like to talk to you about what you see candidates platform from your viewpoint as a Gen C able to do to help the political scene I guess that's the best way of putting it Right, right. Yeah. And uh, just to kind of get back to your point about, you know, would you, you know, people ask, would you want to be on the side against, a, you know, the Industrial Revolution? Um, I'd say no, you wouldn't want to be on the side against the Industrial Revolution. But if you look at it, how much regulation had to happen, you know, for, uh, right. you know, with regards to everything that was created out of the Industrial Revolution, um, you know, the trust busting, everything that was done early on by those journalists to expose all the worker, you know, uh, yeah, honestly, quite worker human right violations. Right. Um, That's true. I think that, I think that when you look at it, the industrial revolution was a massive leap for the human civilization for humanity itself. But there was 40, 50, 60 years of regulation that went on afterwards to kind of make up for all of the points that people didn't really plan ahead for. And really what it comes down to, no one planned ahead. How do we limit greed? How do we limit people taking advantage of each other? And now we're looking at something, in my opinion, much on a much larger scale than the industrial revolution and moving a lot faster with very, very little regulations trying to be put on these things. So just to that point, I think it's something that we really all have to be very aware of. Um, you know, we can't let this, this technological advancement really get out of hand too much. You're very, you're absolutely correct on that because there is no regulation. In fact, now if you try to regulate it, it's seen as, you know, well, anti-American or, you know, it's somehow anti-democratic. Well, since, you know, we've all seen what's happened with woke, with being able, instead of, um, you know, you, all you have to do is just imply, and that ruins careers and people who have done incredible stuff because something they said a while back, and it goes on and on and on. So there definitely needs to be more, maybe a trial system or some court system that deals right. with these things because our modern-day courts are that, you know, we're all used to, just does not even, I don't think it even impacts or even has any way of dealing with all the kind of judicial questions or fair issues or whatever you want to call them, social issues that occur on the internet within all these social platforms. So let's get back because we can definitely talk forever on this because I'm so intrigued by it because I'm so, feel like I am just don't know enough. But let's talk about Canada's platform. So how do you envision as somebody from the Gen Z uh, generation, how do you think this will impact? And maybe we should explain again to anybody who's new and listening. And I'd like to hear it from your words, since you are now a new uh, a partner within our corporation or our organization, um, how you would explain what Canada's platform will do. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this was something that was brought up to me. Um, I was very skeptical. And just for background on, you know, my beliefs, you know, I'm obviously very, very relatively young. So 22 years old, um, grew up and really had opinions on politics in a time where people would not be your friend if you are on one side of the aisle versus the other. So politics for me was always seen as kind of like, I, I really didn't like it. I didn't like how it was so polarizing. I didn't like how people's opinions of you could completely change based off of, you know, what you identify with in terms of pol politics. Um, that being said, uh, on Canada's platform, when it was brought to me, you know, and what, what it is essentially is it's going to solve, I think, three major problems that 
the electoral process faces today, right? Um, one of those is the fact that those with the most money typically win um, because money can buy you influence, can buy you screen time. And uh, it just is essentially how the world works, unfortunately. Uh, again, it also has it can solve the problem of it's really hard to run for local office and uh, as, a, as a local candidate. Um, there's not a lot of resources. And unless you have a lot of money, you know, you're really limited in how you can campaign. Um, and really what you're barred from is campaigning online and campaigning on uh, really the most effective ways to market yourself. You're, you're prohibited from campaigning that way because of the expenses. And the third problem, and I think the problem that I identified with the most and I still identify with, and I know a lot of other people in Generation Z identify with this, is there is really no central online platform to learn about candidates, to learn about the political process at the local level, um, to see who's running in your area, and to really look at uh, both candidates for a position and make sure that you can educate yourself before you get in there and make your vote, right? It's very difficult to do that. You can do it, but it's very difficult. And one of the things that my generation has grown up with, with is we've grown up with looking at or everything that we want to know, everything when we don't know something, whether it's, uh, you know, just something simple, like how to fold your shirt or, um, you know, how to, how to exercise a certain way or how to lift weights or any kind of thing you wanted to know that typically you would go and ask, you know, your parents, or maybe you'd go to the library to learn. Um, that was at your fingertips any moment you wanted on your phone, on your computer. But when I go on and I look for who's running for a certain office in my, you know, uh, my district or my zip code or wherever I am, you know, there's no information that gets pulled up. And so what Canada's platform is really aiming to do is we're aiming to solve all three of those problems. We're aiming to have a centralized hub online that is going to be make it extremely easy, as easy as it is to do anything else or find anything else out online, specifically for voters so that they can educate themselves on candidates that are running for election in their area. We're also going to solve the problem of Candidates really are stuck campaigning and running their campaigns the way that they've been doing for the past 50, 60 years, right? Newspapers, radio advertisements, door to door knocking, all those things. And then lastly, we're going to level the playing field. We want to make it so that, you know, someone that is able, we want to make our website and our platform so powerful and such an effective tool for these campaigns that as long as you're on our campaign, you have a fair shot to beat whoever it is. So say that your opponent has a war chest of, you know, $100,000 running for, you know, city council position, and you have maybe 5,000. We want to make it so that you're both given the tools and the materials you need that you can reach all the voters in the area that's of people that can vote for you. And that the message, you know, whether if it's the person that has $5,000, but their policies are better, their campaign is better, they have you know, hopefully we'll make it so that they win, not the person that has the most influence. And if the person with the $100,000 in their chest, you know, if they have the best policies, if they have the best ideas and they're the better politician uh, for the job, then they should win. And so what we want to make it is we want to take out special interest. We want to take out uh, the money aspect and the influence aspect of running campaigns, because in any system, when money and corruption gets in to the to the process of electing officials or you know governments running themselves, that's really where things start to go bad. Um, and so we really, I think, I know we all feel really strongly that what we're trying to do here is not just something that is uh, you know starting a business, but we're really trying to enact change that will have a lasting impact, a beneficial impact on everybody's lives. I, I think you put, I it, think you put it very successfully, and, and the other. I, thing I would like to add, too, is that this is something that's going to help the non-political politician, you know, who's, who's what a, a career politician. You will, if you're just somebody who's just fed up with the system, you say, you know what, I am so tired of what I see my, my kid going through in schools, and I'm, t- I, I, I go to the school board members, and just, I'm, I'm just fed up. I want to run. That is not going to be immediately the roadblocks that are going to come up in front of you, keep you from doing so. So if you're not a career politician, this is going to be the platform where you can go to, to be on that level playing field with a career politician. And that is different than anything else because 
it's just it's just um, it's just a game changer. So in that said, let's discuss a little bit more uh, about the website and specifically what it'll do. You are part of because you're so you're of your age, Gen Z, and you're technology technologically there. Why don't you explain? Because I think you can do it best. What this website will do? Sure. So. Uh, I just, you know, we're actually in the process of building this website. We hired a uh, very talented coder who's going to be designing our back or building our back end and our front end for this website. Um, specific, you know, it's specifically designed and built uh, for what we needed to do. So the amount of versatility that we're going to have with this website is just tremendous. Um, essentially, you know, I'll, I'll kind of talk about it from two different perspectives, because obviously there's two different real customer groups um, in, in you know, a part of our business. We have the voter and the candidate. So just to talk about, you know, what it's going to do for the voter, you know, say that I, this is me four years ago. Um, it's coming up on my first election. I'm able to vote for, and I want to look up and I want to see who's running for office, uh, you know, and who I'm able to vote for. Right. And I, you know, I want to look past more than just governor. The only thing that I really see are Senate. So I would go on to our website, right. And I would be prompted up with the screen. I would log in, either create an account or you can view this for free. If you create an account, you have a lot more access to the interactive features on our website. Um, and just by typing in my zip code, I would be able to see a list of all the positions that I'm able to vote for. And if I click within each of those uh, positions, I can see all the candidates that are running for that position. And I can even also see propositions, right? So everything that I can vote for, you know, I know last year there was a proposition to vote um, on whether or not you wanted to legalize, you know, marijuana in Arizona. Um, we have the ability and, you know, a lot of people have no idea what does that really mean? What are all the specifics of that? You know, this proposition is pretty long. How can I really understand it? I don't have time to read a three page or four page proposition. So we're going to make it digestible. We're going to give you essentially all the facts that are important um, the meat of what is this proposition, and we're going to make it and give it to you and present it to you in a digestible uh, format. Um, and then from there, you can also go on to the candidate pages themselves, and you can see all the candidates' policies. You can see what the candidate is directly speaking about, what he really believes in, what he's running on, all the specifics coming directly from the candidate themselves. And I think it's really important because you know, like we were talking about earlier, it's really easy to get biased information on the, on the Internet. But it's extremely difficult to be able to get objective, fact-based fact information on the Internet. And what this will do is it will give you direct channel right to the candidate that you're potentially voting for. And with that, you'll be able to follow candidates. Say that you're, you know, you're looking for a position and it's your city mayor, right? And there's two candidates who you really identify with you'll be able to follow them. And then on your homepage, you can see and keep up with everything they're posting, every new event that they're going to and everything that they want to share with you. And, you know, your decision on who you vote for might be swayed over the course of two months, three months. Um, so in terms of the voter features, that's really what we're going to be offering the voter. It's just a direct central platform to find out all the information they need on the candidates that are running for their elected positions in the area they live. And let me interrupt, or, or you know, not interrupt you, but intercede with a couple of points from what you said on the voter side of it. Um, one thing this is, I think, is so important is you're going to be directly getting the information from the source. So, like we used to say, from the horse's mouth. You don't have to go through different, uh, say, website newspapers or whatever who are going to have their own agenda. You can go directly to him, to the candidate, to him or her, or whoever it may be, and say. And follow them and see exactly what they say because it's, it's not going to be, you know, as people report things, it always kind of changes somewhat. So that's really key. The other thing we want to make sure that the audience understands is we are not an influencer. We are not going to try to influence your vote or who you should support. What we do is create a, like a one-stop shopping type of thing. This is where you can go to find out who is running in your area you can vote for. And you can go directly to them by just being on this one one platform and find out everything you need to know about that race or that election seat. And I think that's really important. That's something that nobody is doing at this time. And I think it's important, too, that, you know, we're also going to be offering a lot of voter resources. We're going to be saying, you know, how do you register to vote? Um, what's What are the procedures of going out to vote? Um, 
you know, what are what are these positions? You know, say there's a position that's, you know, up for election that you don't even know what the position does. We're going to provide you right. information on what exactly that position does and how it influences your life. And I know most people are going to be surprised when they when we have all this information out there and people start reading this stuff. They're going to say, I, I can't believe that the amount of influence these local politicians have in my life are. And for many of these people, this is the most, you know, a 30 minute or an hour on our website is going to be more information than they've ever learned about these local pol political um, officials than their entire lives. And that's really the goal. I agree with you. So so the other thing that's going to be also interesting is if you're a voter and as you follow and you see these things, you say, you know what, if this guy can do it. Why can't I? We'll also have information on how to become a candidate. And that's that's very, very beneficial because it's really you have to kind of peel a lot of layers before you can find that information. Even So you gave a really good summation of what's going to what it's going to be attractive for the voter. And in the minute in the couple of minutes we have left, can you explain what it does for the candidate? Sure, sure. And I think, you know, this is the other big part. And this is really, um, you know, what's going to, I think, change, uh, you know, the system of elections in our country so dra drastically. And I think we're, what we're doing is really going to be, uh, is going to make a huge difference. So we designed this, um, this platform, one, to educate voters and make people more involved in the political process, but two, also because we want to make it that candidates are going to be able to have a new way to campaign, a more effective way to campaign, and to make campaign decisions more efficiently. So I think it kind of breaks down into four key aspects, right? So the first aspect that what we provide for candidates is we're going to provide a online hub and we're going to give them the flexibility to each homepage is going to have um, it's going to have it's going to be standardized to a certain extent. We're going to have to you're going to have to post your policies. You're going to have to have information about, uh, you know, your campaign and you're going to have to have all these basic kind of information and, uh, you know, posts that you make on your platform. But we're going to also provide the flexibility to use different features that you may want to use for your website. Um, maybe you want to have a volunteer sign up sheet or maybe you want to have a calendar of events or maybe you don't want to have a calendar of events. And so what we're really trying to do for the candidate is we're trying to be the replacement for them to build their own website. Because for a lot of these, especially these local campaigns, they're maybe running for six, seven, eight months, most a year. And it doesn't make sense to have to spend, you know, a couple thousand or maybe $20,000 to create your own website that you're only going to use for a year, especially without a guarantee of actually, you know, winning that position. So for a low subscription cost, they can get on our platform and we're going to give them all of the, we're building a website specifically designed for candidates so that it's going to be as efficient or more efficient than them building their own website for a fraction of the cost. The second big key point that we're going to be offering for these candidates is like we said before, we're going to give them a direct channel to these voters, these voters who are actually actively looking for candidates and learning about them. Because most of the most of the tools that, you know, uh, candidates are campaigning through right now, they're falling on deaf ears. Um, they're, you know, maybe it's it's an, it's a car ad, right? When you're on your way right. to work and you start hearing about this politician, you know, that changes the channel, right? Maybe one out of every 10 people is going to listen to it. And maybe one out of every 10 of those people is actually going to pay attention to it. Right. Right. And so that's the other aspect. We're going to be creating this channel that's going to directly link voters with candidates. They can get their message out to people that are actively looking and trying to find out about what the candidates are. Right. And who they are. Um, that's something that, quite frankly, just doesn't exist right now. Um, the third aspect of it. Uh, that we're really going to be working on. And I think where we will add the most value to these campaigns is going to be in our data analytic um, features that we're going to offer. So these candidates are going to be able to get the data of essentially the data that the, that the voter provides, right? So you have to provide your name, you have to provide your email, and you have to provide um, your age. But that's all you have to provide. Then we have the option to help out the candidates by offering them more data about yourself, right? And this is going to be strictly secure, and I want to emphasize very, very uh, secure. It's going to have more information like your ethnicity. Um, you can even put in, if you want, you know, what your income level is or what your age is. Um, and all these different really important uh, data metrics that these campaigns can now look and see 
if they make a post that they say that is uh, talking about the Second Amendment, right, or talking about pro-Second Amendment um, policies, that's where they're really getting most of their uh, interest from the people that are using the website. They can now really make more strategic decisions for their campaigns to kind of focus on issues that matter to the voters. So it's going to help the candidate by being more relevant to the voters. And it's going to help the voters because what they really care about is going to be directly seen by the candidates themselves, right, through this right. data. Um, and this is something that only really large scale, uh, you know, candidates and election and, and elected positions or campaigns have access to. And we're going to be providing that to the local level candidate. And I think it's going to be really the thing that changes elections in, um, in our country the most. And then lastly, kind of the fourth aspect of what we're giving these candidates is we're replacing their need to build a website. They don't have to build a website anymore. They have a central online uh, place and they're not going to be able really or need any kind of um, other social media account. We're going to be their home and we're going to also provide them, like you said, Kathleen, we're going to provide them with tons of abilities um, for, you know, say that they say someone's interested in running. We're going to have an FAQ sheet on how they can go and get and you know get on the ballot to run. Um, we're going to have best practices, effective, you know, and then we're going to be able to see the this data and compile and understand really how successful campaigns are ran and convey that to every single candidate on every level of government. And I think the ones that matter the most, like we said, are the ones that are on local government. And quite frankly, right now, those are the ones that have the least amount of resources to do their job correctly. That is absolutely correct. And I think when I listen, first found out the percentage of what, how much local elections count for total elections, it's what, like 90? 90, 90%. Yeah, 90 95%. 90-95% of all elections you can vote for are on the local level. And that is amazing because really when you think of it, that's, these are the people that affect every moment. Of, of our lives, everything that we want to decide, whether you want to build a carport or what bus you, you know, or what book your child learns. I mean, I think uh, some of these last elections really showed that um, all this stuff is very important to people and they're going to, they're starting to take note and we're going to give you one-stop shopping. You won't have to worry about it. And we have 30 seconds left. It's amazing, you know, when we start talking about this stuff, how how quickly it goes and how time goes by so fast, because we're all so excited about what this platform can can bring um, to you, the voter, and to you, the candidates. So stay tuned. Uh, we've introduced Mateo Vlasic. He will possibly, you know, between the three of us, we'll be hosting this show, probably two, whatever. But we hope, we're really excited about what the future is bringing, and as we speak to you in two weeks from now we may even have more exciting news to share with you so i really want to thank everybody for listening um it's been a real exciting uh for us to bring this to you i'm really excited that mateo has joined us as you can all hear how eloquently he speaks and how knowledgeably he speaks he's kind of one of those uh the, the missing link we needed for this young generation to become involved and motivated so with that said thank you all I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving and for the happy holidays to come forward, you know, let's all think peacefully. What about you, Mateo? Anything to say? Perfectly. I'm very excited to be here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Again, thank you all. Thanks, everybody.